What's up with so many clergy members not liking social media? I mean, I get the battles and things like that, but listen, in the end, love it or hate it, the church needs to embrace it and use it. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. Now, in this 110th episode, we're going to talk about the church, the church and social media, and why, for the most part, and despite social media's many ills, the church needs to embrace this. It needs to embrace and use this tool. But first, a quick reminder about what the Press Club C actually is. Each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books, writing, my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, reviews, author interviews, and so on. C is for culture, pop culture, and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding, lessons, for example, in history, economics, and so on. B is for business and entrepreneurship. And finally, that last C in Press Club C, that's for conservative. Why? Because I am one. And of course, as I say over and over again, we have to be very clear these days as to what that means. So I am a Reagan, Kemp, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. Now, let's get to the issue of the church and social media. Now, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, And I, I, quite frankly, I don't get the aversion, the hostility, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes even the fear. I pick up fear um, among the clergy uh, regarding social media. Um, So it's, it's got me bewildered, but it also... Uh, a recent um, event, I wasn't there, but I saw it online. Ooh, online. Um, got me thinking in a positive way about this, and I generally think in a positive way about this. I mean, listen, social media and the internet has allowed me um, to have a home office since 1991. Uh, it's allowed me to reach people in terms of uh, my economics work, in terms of the books I write. Um, in terms of this podcast and other podcasts and so on. So, um, you know, that has been my experience, but so let's take the positives first. And from the, from the perspective of the church, I think it's quite frankly, I think it's pretty straightforward. And I like what, um, I heard the other day on June 21st, I was streaming, uh, one of the speakers from the Acton Institute's Acton University, um, and it was Bishop Robert Barron. Now, if you don't know who that is, Bishop Barron is a wildly successful, um, for lack of a better word, uh, online teacher of Catholicism, right? He has what's called Word on Fire. That's his organization. Um, he's a very thoughtful teacher. He has... Uh, YouTube videos. Um, he, that's, they've expanded into all sorts of, they have conferences. They have, he sells, he sells books, but listen, he, he is as a fellow Christian, myself being a Lutheran Christian, him being a Catholic Christian, you know, we're like 90 percenters, right? We agree on 90% of things and on big things. We, we agree. So that's the good news there. And he is a very thoughtful teacher and speaker. And after his talk, um, you know, he sat down, they had a little Q&A with the head of the Acton Institute, and he was asked about his theology 
of social media. And I think that's a fascinating phrase. And I was wondering what his response would be. So he said, listen, he has a love, even he who has done so much online, he has a love-hate relationship with social media. We all do. I think that's pretty clear, right? But he pointed out that it's a fantastic tool, a great tool for evangelization. Um, and is, this is a key point that he raised. Younger people are not coming to our churches, is how I believe he put it. And this, social media, is how we reach them. This is why we need to be doing this. It's, in my mind, it's pretty hard to argue um, with that point. I don't know how you can. Um, you know, there, there's an article on the Word on Fire website where he expands on this a bit. It's based on an interview that he did, and they, they have the uh, the text of the interview. So I'm going to read a little something that he said here, and it's along these lines, right? He said, the church, broadly speaking, has found innumerable, innumerable ways to use them, meaning social media, for the sake of the gospel. This has been a tre tremendous boon to the church and has aided our evangelical mission extraordinarily. And he goes on, I'm old enough to remember the ancient period prior to social media, and I can only smile when I think of the lack of Catholic content then and how comparatively difficult it was to find materials, articles, and basic information about Catholicism. When I contrast our time to that period, I can confidently say that in many ways we are in a golden age of evangelization and apologetics. It's a, it's a bold statement, right? And, you know, for other Christians, you can replace Catholic, if you like, with Christian in general. You can plug Lutheran in, in, there, in there, Anglican, Methodist, and so on. It's a valuable point, I think, and it's a bold statement on, uh, on the bishop's part, especially in light of how many other clergy members view this. Now, again, there's lots of bad stuff on the internet, social media. So I get the impression that some people say, well, let's just leave it alone. Leave it to them. Well, wh why? It's, it's a tool that can be used for evangelization, for spreading the good news. I mean, you know, if you're going to argue that, then the same could be said of, you know, the Gutenberg press, <laughs> um, radio, television, um, you know, wh whatever you want to choose, any form of communication, um, pretty much the same could be said about anything in this world. So I don't think that works. Now, another argument that pops up that I hear or read sometimes is that, well, it's a substitute, like, you know, for example, uh, um, sermons online, uh, services streamed online. They're a substitute for being in church. So no, uh-uh, not going to do it. Now, just like Walter A. Meyer, I believe, said that radio, and he was big on radio, right? Radio was not, did not uh, replace going to church. The same can be said about social media. Um, the exact same thing can be said. So no, it's not a substitute for being in church, but it is an introduction, again, to get people eventually to church, right? Um, it's a way of reaching out to people, as Bishop Barron points out. You know, I, I like to compare it to a, a totally different area, but it gets me, it, this is the comparison I've come up with here and there. It's like television when it came along in the 1950s, right? And there were two sports that took very different views of television. Horse racing said, well, if we go on television in a big way, no one will come to the racetrack. So that was their decision. Baseball, on the other hand, said, television. Wow. That's awesome. Let's show everybody what we have. And they'll come to the ballpark too. 
And that's exactly what baseball did. And guess who was right? Baseball, of course, was right. You know, horse racing today is quite frankly a, a vastly dem- who cared? Does anybody really care about horse racing except for the Triple Crown and and maybe the Breeders' Cup? Um, and I just said something, and most people are like, "What the heck is the Breeders' Cup?" Uh, so that says something about horse racing. But everybody knows about baseball, whether you're a fan or not, right? So this is this is the type of choice that is before people, be, before the church, I should say, people in the church. Um. So no, of course it's not a substitute for being in church, but how do you get to people? How do you get people into church? How do you reach them? And especially, again, if younger people are on social media, do you just ignore that? That's that's inward looking. That's isolationist. That's not the way to go. Um, that's not spreading the good news. Um, that's not the great doing what the great commission commands of us. When Jesus says in Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20, go there therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. Well, if these, this is the tool that's at hand or one of the tools, why wouldn't we use it? Just like, Again, we use the printing press, quite frankly. And then there are people with the pandemic, right? And the pandemic gets people riled up and stuff and, and you know, how we reacted. And I've seen pastors say, I will never react the way I did again if we have another pandemic. Well, let's hope and pray we don't have another pandemic so we don't have to put that to the test. But the idea that the internet and social media was a negative during the pandemic is, I think, on the face of it, absurd. This was the avenue for so many people to uh, at least to hear the word, right? To 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 have access to Bible studies and teachings and so on. Um, it kept people connected to the church, if you will. Um, it was a clear benefit. You know, I'm sorry. And quite frankly, I would say it went beyond that. It went beyond um, Christians that were in the pews to other people, right? That were like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, all of a sudden I'm at home. A lot of them, I asked them online. Um, what's this guy, Bishop Barron? What's he saying, for example? Um, and what are others saying? And what's going on at this church in my town that I can now see their services streamed, their divine service streamed online? People forget about that. They only kind of, the, the negative Nellies, if you will, <laughs> only latch on to the idea that, well, you know what? People saw that they were able to, you know, do this stuff online and now they don't go to church at all. Eh, I mean, are there probably people like that? Sure. Uh, Net, I don't think that's the story that we've seen. Um, And I think, you know, most of those people, you have to wonder how often they were going to church in the first place. Anyway, um, I would argue, in fact, when you have those people that weren't going to church for a while, again, those that have access and turn to services and sermons and things like that online, um, I'm guessing that some of those people said, huh, well, yeah, I forgot about this. Maybe I'll get back uh, to the church and to the faith. So there's a lot in the mix there. But um, uh, anyway, let me go on to another, you know, I can only kick that horse so many times, beat that horse so many times. Is that the phrase? Anyway, um, there are also people that get, I think, get worried clergy members that get worried, right? They don't have the skills for this, 
for doing stuff online. Well, duh, right? We all have different skills. Of course not. Of course, everyone is not going to have those skills. Um, we each have our talents and we do what we can, right? But, um, but if you're able to deliver a sermon and that that's like basic stuff here. So if you're, if you're a member of the clergy and you're unable to deliver a, a decent sermon, well, then we got other issues that, that go well beyond what we're talking about with social media. But if you could deliver a, a, a thoughtful, uh, engaging sermon, then that's going to work. That's going to work online to reach out to people as well. Um, some, and it has this weird thing that I see pop up once in a while. And I don't know if it's particular to certain churches, but you get come across, I've come across clergy members who seem to think that their, their vocations as pastors are limited to their particular congregations. And listen, I'm a member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And I've seen this pop up with some, and this has always perplexed me. And, you know, I, when I've heard it, I've, I've pushed back and I've asked, you know, all you have to do is ask a few questions like, so you're not supposed to be spreading the good news to everyone. Um, so you're not supposed to be bothering with the Great Commission. Um, so if you have the opportunity to to reach out to someone, uh, you're not going to take it because they're not in your congregation. I mean, that's just, you talk about preaching to the choir, that's just bizarre and absurd. No evangelizing? Is that is that part of the deal? I don't think so. So that has always perplexed me. But you'll see that come up, I think. I've seen it come up, at least, on, on rare occasions in terms of the argument against the church and social media. Um, I think, uh, uh, and, and then, okay, let me mention the, the bad part of social media, which, of course, you know, I mentioned in passing. But listen, uh, given what I do for a living, I've seen, a, I've been in a lot of arguments over the years, okay? Um, and arguments in the positive way of that word and in the negative. Um, and I've been guilty of doing things that I should not have done in terms of how I treat other people. And I'm trying to get better at that as we all should be. Um, but it, I have to admit, it's particularly discouraging when I see some, some clergy members online who seem more interested in, you know, divisiveness, scoring points, and even in politics rather than you know, and things like mercy, love, and and constructive, productive teaching, and and spreading of the of the good news of the gospel. So that's um, that's a distressing uh, thing to see. Uh, and, and those of us that are in the business, if you will, if you want to, you know, I'm a I'm an economist. I work in policy circles. I write books. I write novels. So I'm engaged in the public arena, if you will. And it's always something that we have to guard against. And I think I've become more cognizant of that over the last several years because of the extreme divisiveness in our, our society and our culture, particularly in our politics. And that has dribbled into our churches in an ugly, ugly way. So I try to do better, right? <laughs> and we all need to do better on that front um, in, in terms of social media. And there are some thoughts on that because I'm going to go back to Bishop Barron for a few points that he makes, and I'll, I'll add my thoughts to those as well, because there are ways to, to deal with that, that I learned as a newspaper columnist, but let, let me get back. Here's, so having said all of this, right. And you look at, you know, I have great admiration for what Bishop Barron has accomplished via word on fire. It is online, um, 
work. And I, I, I scratch my head and I, my question is, you know, as a Lutheran, for example, an LCMS Lutheran, I ask, where are the traditional Lutheran versions of Bishop Barron, right? Um, where are our uh, Robert Barron's? Um, and, and I hope some people are asking themselves that question as well. I fear not as many as should be, but I think that the question is being asked. But, you know, for example, um, President Harrison, Matthew Harrison, was just reelected for another term as president of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. And I think Harrison's great. He's done a, done a good job. I mean, not nobody's perfect, of course, uh, but... I hope that he's looking more seriously at this social media aspect of the church. I don't know if he is or not. You know, listen, when I've seen him online doing little Bible lessons and so on, um, I've always been impressed. But all right, let me get back to a few points that Barron point made in this uh, this essay, this transcript. And uh, I'll add maybe a couple of thoughts myself, but they're pretty, they're pretty, um, pretty obvious. I mean, but they, they stand alone. I should say obvious. They stand alone. So, um, you know, in, in terms of the divisive factor, he writes at one point, or he says at one point, the church has always been to a degree marked by opposing camps, but this divisiveness has been exas exacerbated terribly by social media. Um, and he says, you know, in this way, yes, social media in, in this in many ways, function as an anti-witness to the gospel. So that's the threat, right? And I get that. But the same can be said of any form of communication. Um, so, you know, he doesn't want to end on a negative note, so he brings in some points at the end, and I want to, I want to highlight these in particular. So he continues later, you know, like what to... Um, what to do here then and, and on a positive note. So he says, I would strongly urge the rising generation, those who have social media in their blood and their fingers. Now understand, you know, if you're below a certain age, and I know a lot of people in the church, I think have a tough time re thinking about this, but that's, uh, that phrase hits home, right? That's accurate. Those who have social media in their blood and their fingers. He continues. I strongly urge this generation to delve deeply into the intellectual and spiritual tradition of the church, and then endeavor to propagate that wisdom through this marvelous tool, start a website, make videos for YouTube, launch a Facebook page and dedicate these to the gospel. Paul used parchment ink and the Roman roads. You use what our culture makes available today. Yes. Right. Should it be obvious? I think it should be. <laughs> Is it obvious? Well, a lot of people have a tough time with this, but I hope people are coming around to see the tool that we have at our hands is very, very powerful. Um, and then he adds this, and this is important stuff. And this is a lesson I learned um, as a columnist. So he said, I would also give the following spiritual advice before you say or write anything on social media, whether you are publishing your own material responding to someone else, ask this simple question. Do these words of mine constitute an act of love? Remember that to love is to will the good of the other. Therefore, even sharp and critical words can be an expression of love if they are truly meant to help someone else. 
But if you're simply venting your spleen or settling a score or trying to show how clever you are or joining an online feeding frenzy, then don't push the send button. Yeah, good advice. And then he continues on, one way to discipline yourself is to always allow a full day to pass before posting your comment online. There is an excellent chance that with the passage of 24 hours, you'll realize that the world would actually be a better place without your comment. I learned that as a columnist, right? And it was, it was, it was two things. Actually, William F. Buckley Jr., when I, gave, when I first started writing col- newspaper columns, I sent some to him. I handed them to him when I met, met him at a book event. And he graciously gave me advice. He sent me a note about a month later and gave me some advice. And one thing was, if you have the ability, and he said, I know it's difficult with weekly columnists, you're on a deadline and so on. If you have the ability, pause, right? Walk away from your piece, if you can, for like a day, which is what Bishop Barron is saying here. And then come back to it. That helps in a number of ways I found, if, if I have that luxury. It helps in terms of, you know, spotting things that are incorrect, uh, improving the writing, you know, all those types of things, editing, you know, that all of that, and that matters a great deal, right? Uh, but it also allows you to come back and look at what the content of what you're writing. And that is particularly beneficial when you're reacting to someone else and you're reacting to someone or so, something that has been said or written that you disagree with. Because that's where you get yourself, I think, into trouble and you become less than generous. Let's put it that way, right? Um, and when you realize no matter who you're talking to, you can disagree vehemently and fundamentally that is another human being of, you know, infinite value, if you will. Individual, each individual is of infinite value. And treating them that way and not so much just as a political enemy, if you will, which we see so much on social media, that matters a heck of a lot. Uh, Baron wraps up. He says, so use the internet and social media as long as you use them for the sake of the gospel and in a spirit of love that is willing the good of the other. If I can adapt these were the words of St. Augustine, St. Augustine, sorry, love and post whatever you want. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. I, his speech um, was an interesting speech, but it, it was on a different topic. It uh, it was the discussion afterwards at Acton University where he said this, and I latched onto it. Um, social media, and, and I would echo it, I mean, to the degree that I can, social media is a marvelous tool, um, if done right. And for constructive, productive purposes, not for necessarily attack, but how about for argument in the best sense of the word, right? Where you're seeking to persuade someone. This is vital in terms of the church. Using social media to introduce people to Christ, to the Bible. These are all uh, valuable things that allow social media, that allow, social media empowers us to do, again, to reach that generation who isn't in, they're not in our churches, right? You want to get them into church? Well, you got to go find them. You got to go talk to them. Um, and if they're on social media, that's where you have to go. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't get the, uh, the backlash against it. Um, and like I said before, you know, I, and I asked this question um, where are the Bishop Barons of the Lutheran world? I know there are some folks out there doing good work, but I would love to see something that is more 
um, organized, more constructive, more consistent, you know, all those, all those things, um, being there all the time. Um, and that's invaluable. And, and why would you shun that opportunity? It's an opportunity, right? It's not a burden. It's the other thing. And I'll wrap up with this. It's, I think too many times I see people think about these things within the church as a burden. Oh, now we got to deal with that. Now we got to deal with social media. No, it shouldn't be that. It's like, wow, look at this opportunity we have, the tools that we have been given to reach people, not just down the street, not just in the next town, not just across the country, but around the world. Barron talks about, you know, when he started doing this, he had no idea his word on fire, YouTube videos. He had no idea what kind of effect if anybody would watch or listen. And then he found himself getting email from people locally, but he was also getting email from people, you know, like in the China sea, he said a sailor in the China sea and so on people from people around the world. That's a powerful tool of evangelization. And one that, I think it would be irresponsible of the church to ignore and irresponsible of the church to not fully use in the name of the gospel. So I'll, I'll wrap up there. Thanks so much for listening. Um, your feedback and suggestions are always welcome. Uh, I hope you check out my various endeavors and books, uh, including the pastor Stephen Grant thrillers and mysteries. There are 17 of those now. Um, also cathedral and Alliance of St. Michael novel. That's the first in the, in a series. Um, I've got two books out to help you with your economic thinking, the weekly economist, 52 quick reads to help you think like an economist and the weekly economist Two, 52 more quick reads to help you think like an economist. Also another book that might help, especially with uh, international uh, economic issues at the forefront, a book called free trade rocks, 10 points on international trade. Every, everyone should know. Um, please check out all those. Also, uh, if you need uh, some inspiration and organization, grab the Lutheran planner, the to-do list solution. You can start that anytime. You don't have to start at the beginning of the year. So listen, all of these books and others are available. At, well, let me say at rakeheatingonline.com. Those are signed editions. You go over there, by the way, we're running a sale in the summer. So you put summer 15 in at checkout and you get 15% off. Um, everything else all of the books except the Lutheran Planner are also available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle edition. Hey, summer reading, folks. Please check them out. Um, also, um, I, I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I also have my Free Enterprise in Three Minutes podcast, uh, Daily Dose of Disney podcast. Lots going on. I appreciate your feedback. Uh, and uh, thanks so much and God bless.